Welcome to Fears of a No Name Blank. My name is Virginia. I'm an actor based in Atlanta, Georgia. In this biweekly podcast, I sit down with undiscovered actors, film and television industry folks, and other creatives to chat about their fears in business and life in general. The goal is not to solve the fears or try to motivate away from them, but just bring these fears to light. After all, we're all human. My guest this week, Chris Krubeck, is one of my very good friends, and we often have in-depth conversation about our lives. And that made this week's interview difficult to edit because we went on many a tangent. Chris is a writer who has a lot of interesting experiences in life and in terms of his career direction. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. All right. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Today I am here with my good friend, Chris Krubeck. Can you please give us a quick introduction to yourself and what you do and why you're here and all of that fun stuff? Okay. Uh, so I'm Chris Krubeck. Uh, I um, am a writer uh, of various types, I guess. Um, I, I guess the reason why I'm here is kind of the weird one because I, I kind of got my start thinking I was going to do more production type stuff um, because that I went to film school um, and that was kind of my focus and then mm. figured out very quickly that when I don't have as much investment in, you know, a production, then like if I'm just a cog, like I'm not one of those people who just being on set alone is enough. Uh, and so, yeah, I shifted over like kind of more into full-time writing um, in the last couple of years. Um, and since then I've, I've been doing less film and TV and focusing more um, on games, not necessarily by choice, just that's how it, that's how it shook out. And, uh, and then I'm also doing a lot of copywriting and, you know, fun salesy type stuff. <laughs> Paying the bills stuff. Paying the bills, like everyone else yeah. um, on the side. So I, I guess without going into too much detail, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, cool. Um, and how long have you been in Atlanta for been in Atlanta for two and a half years, I think. Okay. About at least, yeah, like just over two years. I uh-huh. think. And you came here specifically for production purposes? Yeah, I think, you know, I was, I was in Colorado um, kind of debating where the next place was going to be and wanted to be around film and TV and, you know, your choices are New York, L.A., and then at the time it was like Austin or Atlanta, but Atlanta was kind of up and coming. And so Atlanta it was. Nice. And did you do film school in Colorado? No, I went to film school in England. Oh, okay. Because I mean, I, so I, I knew someone who was going there at the time. And then I, um, I found like, I was like, oh, well you're having a good time. I'm not having a good time. <laughs> and, and this was my now girlfriend, Sharon. And she was like, well, why don't you just come here? like that's dumb it's going to be so expensive and then I looked it up and it was cheaper than going out of state significantly I think at the time it was like seven grand per year or something oh wow to go out of country and so it was kind of a no-brainer to just move and go over there and now in film school you were saying that your focus wasn't writing but instead was no like I did writing like Uh I've always liked writing Uh but I think I had this idea that um if I was going to be doing 
like more kind of creative direction and the more director type stuff. I mean, like, like everyone, I'm like, right, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to crack out film school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get super famous, <laughs> super famous, like within the first six months. So I don't even really need to worry about it. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I think I thought that by doing production, I would have more, you know, experience of like running a set and everything. And it ended up being invaluable experience because when you are writing, um, especially for low budget, it's good to have an idea of what low budget means. Mm-hmm. Um, and how things will actually, yeah. Play and how out. things will actually play. Yeah. I had this idea that, um, being in production would, you know, like th- that's how you're going to learn to rule the world. And the set. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it did end up being useful because in writing, you know, especially low budget, um, it's, it's really valuable to know what, what that actually, how it's going to play out, how it's, actually going to look and how it's how feasible it is mm-hmm. you know on a budget when you're writing a scene because you'll see all the time in low budget like we're going to do this you know battle scene or we're gonna we're gonna have this crazy like psychedelic thing and and you look at their budget and it's like you can't do it like <laughs> like this uh-huh. and so learning how to kind of write around stuff based on that experience is oh, still awesome. useful yeah for sure um, are you working in, on any fun projects right now? Um, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I, for some reason, I, I ended up getting pushed more into video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had lived, we'll jump ahead. I had lived in Japan for three years. And while I was there, I had met up with someone and I started writing a game when I was there, um, which ended up doing pretty well. Uh, and then I kind of met up with some local people here um, and started writing some games here. Um, And so, yeah, I've been really doing a lot more game stuff. And I think part of the reason too, and I'm sure we can get into this later, is that as you know, and I think a lot of people who are just starting out know, there's just a lot of scams. Oh, gosh, Um, yes. And so much more so in the film and TV world than the independent game world. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like independent game people will just flat up say to you, hey, I have this much money and that's it Mm -hmm. and take it or leave it. Whereas film people tend to promise you the world. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to pay you this much per script. Or like, oh, we're going to do this. Or they'll, you know, the ever um, present, like, oh, we'll give you points Mm -hmm. on a project that's probably never going to get made. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I ended up kind of going for games when, you know, my financial situation was saying that I can't keep doing no money Uh risks and and it kind of taught me a lesson of only if i'm gonna work for something for free i really need to believe in it Mm -hmm. um that makes a lot of sense i i think there is a philosophy like oh you just need to keep working and keep working And, and there is a value to that but there's also knowing when you know this project is not going to get me anywhere Mm mm-hmm and being honest with yourself and yeah. saying, you know, this person's cool and I like them, but this isn't for me. Um, and just, you know, maybe it, I don't know. I'm not rich and successful. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, do you find that um, the game writing for the games um, is good for your creative outlet? Do you feel fulfilled when you're doing those projects or do you do those and then you, you hit a script thereafter? I think it's very different because I think, 
I mean, I'm writing for two games right now, and one of them is more of like what you would think of like a game game. It's very mechanically focused. Okay. It's about how it plays, not okay. like an epic story or anything like gotcha. that. So I guess you're writing, you do what's called like narrative design, which is like you're writing in order to make players feel a certain way, or you're trying to like drive players towards certain like decisions. And then the other game I'm writing is very much more of like, it's got character arcs and it's a story and it's a script. And it's definitely, they're both creatively fulfilling. Um, but you definitely, yeah, like there is a need to be like, oh, I just want to do something that's a bit more like personal or a mm-hmm. bit more um, kind of just short and to the point mm-hmm. because games are very long and drawn out and mm-hmm. weird and they change a lot. Choose your own path kind of stuff. Yeah, and you get like branching paths or you or you even just get like, oh, hey, like we were going to do it this way, but we don't have the art assets and stuff to mm. make that. So you need to rewrite it. And there's a lot of change that happens. Gotcha. And I guess that's true of like film as well. Mm-hmm. But. So in that instance, do you find yourself working on your own bits and pieces when you have time and and do you write every day for yourself or? Well, you know, I, I think that was like, when you had asked me to come on, you were like, oh, think about all your fears. And that was like the one that immediately came up. Because I think when you are kind of scraping by month to month, I went, especially because I'm freelancing too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always tracking down work. Mm-hmm. And I'm always having, you know, when I'm not doing that work, then I'm going to do the more creative work, usually for other projects. And it, it I, I've really lost kind of track of time when it comes to doing my own stuff. Gotcha. Um, and so lately I've been trying to kind of re uh, start a schedule of really kind of writing for myself every day mm-hmm. and kind of using, cause I, I think you get into this habit of, okay, well I'm writing for someone else's project. I'm still working creatively. That's good enough, but there is, there is a value to, really making sure you take time for yourself and like pushing your own boundaries in a way that when you're working for a project that you do have deadlines and you have, you know, limited budget and you're kind of, you're able to cut corners and you're able to say, okay, well that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're working for yourself, it, it, you can really make something and you're like, no, it's not good enough. I'm going to keep working on it and get better. And yeah. So I, I've been trying to make more time to do that lately. That's good. It's useful. Um, I'm not a writer, but I read a lot of like creative minded books and you know, it's just do it every day. Just sit down five minutes a day, put it on three pieces of paper, just get it out and do it. You know, it's funny too, because I don't know what the equivalent for an actor would be. I'm sure there is one, but I find, you know, when you, when you go in with the mindset of saying, okay, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes you sit down for 10 minutes and end up doing it for an hour mm-hmm. almost every time. And so there's a, it is a big, it's just a mental hurdle. Oh, for sure. Cause I know if I just said, okay, I'm going to sit down and do this for 10 minutes, I'd end up working on it, you know, for 10 hours a week or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is like, I, it's, it, I will openly admit. And for anyone out there who is, you know, in a similar situation, like I, I've just been lazy or just focused on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. It, it happens. It's fair. Okay. So you kind of touched on this, but we're going to drill down to the nitty gritty. Let's do it. Chris, what is your biggest fear? I think my biggest fear is, I guess, just getting so wrapped up 
in kind of other people's projects or in, you know, the, the day job stuff that I just never get to create anything that I feel is really worthwhile. Like mm-hmm. something that I wanted to create and wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I think that is the ultimate goal of anyone who's in the arts is I want to be able to share this with other people. And as time ticks on and as you get more and more swamped with just, you know, day-to-day life, mm-hmm. you, you find yourself you're like, I haven't done it yet. Right. And I, I think that is kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's never going to happen, you know? Right. And, and that doesn't, and I, I, I guess I qualify that because I think my view of success has changed a lot over the years. You know, like I was saying, you know, I'm only semi-joking when I was in film school thinking like, yeah, I'm going to be amazing. I'm right. Gonna... Everybody's always semi Right. Every, everyone thinks. I'm going to be famous. Ha ha. Right. And I, I think my view of being successful back when I was in film school, whatever, was I have to be, you know, recognized and I have to be, you know, very like financially successful, whatever. And it slowly changed to realizing that I, I'm pretty happy if I can just, if I can get by um, without having to do like the copywriting type of work, uh-huh. or if I can just get by on doing creative work, I'm a pretty satisfied human being. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think as, as far as like short-term goals go, like that's pretty much it. And then I think if I can get there, then thinking of that long-term goal of really like pushing something out mm-hmm. is a lot more doable. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel like you are motivated by this fear or that it discourages you or a little bit of a mixture of both? I think it's a mixture of both because I'm a very anxious person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because mm-hmm, you, you are always anxious, but no, you know, no, I get it's, it. I get it. Yeah. What you mean by that? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I've always been pretty anxious. Um, and I think that's really ramped up in the last few years as I've had to really balance kind of what feels like two different parts of my personality. Like it almost feels like by doing all this copywriting and sales writing that I'm kind of betraying myself. Oh, interesting. And that kind of makes it, it makes that anxiety ramp up more. Cause it's like, you're spending all this time doing non-creative like, yeah, work that, that it, it's a sales brochure. It's like, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I, I do think it, it is a little demotivating and it shouldn't be, but when that is the primary thing paying your bills and thus is taking up the majority of your time, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard not to um, have that fear kind of creep up on you as mm-hmm. a negative thing instead of a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've talked to a couple people and not on this podcast, but um, just other creatives who've given themselves like a timeline. Right. I am going to be, I'm going to give myself five years. Right. And if by that time I don't feel creatively fulfilled, I'm going to move on. Yeah. Like have, is that something that you've done or like, are you, you disagree with that method? Like what's your, I guess for me, I would have to, I, I agree with it with the caveat that I think you need to be doing what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're saying like, oh, well, I've been working, you know, a part-time job at Kinko's and doing this other thing on the side and I don't feel creatively fulfilled. Well, of course you don't. Right. Um, if you're working full-time doing what you love and it's still not working out for you, then yeah, you, I, I think it is 
fair to reassess. But Mm -hmm. I think until you get to that point and getting to that point is so hard and it does take so much just telling yourself like that. Yeah. You got to power through and keep going and keep your, keep your ear to the ground. But yeah, if you don't power through to that point, then it's hard to like make that assessment Mm -hmm. of is this working or not? Mm -hmm. So what does um, like, having a successful project pushed out look like to you? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I I would say the first game I wrote as far as the game world goes was successful. Mm -hmm. Like it got the game equivalent of a wide release. Like it, it, it's on PC. It got released for consoles or it's getting released for consoles. Like it did well enough to do that. Um, And I think what I realized is that, you know, when you are part of a film and you are part of anything that has a bunch of people, like that's not going to be your, your claim to fame, you know, just saying like, Oh, I was part of this Mm -hmm. project that did well. It's not quite enough. Like, and that's what I think is, has made me like reinvigorate the push for doing my own stuff. Because at the end of the day, like that is how you're going to represent yourself. Mm -hmm. Not, through other projects and so um again just more learning lessons with what success looks like okay so so basically just along the way you're changing your definition of success yeah to make it fit my purposes (laughs) (laughs) i'm like well that didn't work and also uh, keep your anxiety at bay (laughs) yeah because i mean i really did think when when this game came out, you know, I went, I was in Japan promoting it and then, you know, it's, it's done pretty well. I think, you know, sales did pretty well. It's obviously done well enough to like be pushed to other platforms, but that I thought, you know, naively, I guess that that was going to do it, Mm. you know, that I was going to be like, right. Like people are going to be approaching me now or like, I'm just going to have that instant thing in my pocket and it's going to be fine. But you know, that's just, it's a stupid way of thinking right. about it because it doesn't work that it's way. It's not how it happened. Yeah. And I, I imagine that's true for a lot of actors as well. Yeah. It's like if you're on a big project, you think, right, I've got that under my belt. Yeah. And that's going to do it. For sure. But it, you know, that's, it's not honest, is it? It's No, <laughs> it's not. But it, but it, like, like you were saying, at least you're like measuring, you're, you're reassessing that level of success. Yeah. Like instead of being like, well, I failed because right. it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. Right. You're just taking yeah. a step back and saying, oh, okay, well, that's not actually how it works. <laughs> and let's figure out how it actually works and take the next step. Yeah. I'm constantly trying to figure out how it works. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how anything no. works. And I don't right. think anybody does. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, and I think in the arts too, like the, the, the road to success is so weird. Mm. For sure. Like you, you do hear those. I mean, I, I think of them as horror stories now. Uh-huh. Of those people who are just like, I graduated school and then they directed something instantly. People are freaks. Like this, <laughs> freaks. That's <laughs> not how it works. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, I listened to an, another podcast by Matthew Del Negro called 10,000 Knows. And one of the things that he spoke about in one of his podcasts, and he's an actor. And that really resonated with me and, and like hits home with what we're talking about right yeah. here is that he was on the freaking Sopranos. Okay? Yeah. He had like right. a recurring role on the Sopranos. And then when it was done, he had to go back to bartending yeah. in New York city. And I was like, 
wait a second, Matthew Del Negro, this right. dude I look up to right. so much, was on this show that everybody freaking was crazy about, yeah. and he still had to go back to bartending yeah. because it, you know, nobody was picking up the phone and right. calling him, and just like you know, we all think like I, you know, I had my one silly little network TV role. Right. So I was like, obviously the next network TV role is going to be really easy. Yeah. I've and, never been more wrong in my life. Right. And I, <laughs> yeah. And I thought that as well. I thought, you know, if you get this idea that everything's going to be like a stepping stone, yeah. right. You're like, okay, I hit that. So now I'm moving up to the next level. Yep. Like it, it just doesn't, it's not going to work. That's just not how it happens. <laughs> you know? And I, I think you've heard me, endlessly talk about it but I, I do think there is just an epidemic of people you know in the independent sphere who just aren't honest with themselves oh, so at all um and, and not just about like okay well I have this expectation for my success or whatever but just not honest with themselves in terms of like the quality of the work mm-hmm. not honest with themselves of you know like for producers around like not honest with themselves in terms of like I'm pretending I'm a big yeah. shot but I have no money not being um, honest about work ethic. Sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a big one. You so know? It, it is interesting and it, it is rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do see that I think in the game world as well, because okay. everyone is so drawn to success. Uh-huh. Like everyone's drawn to those people who made something in their basement and then made millions and of then dollars. Suddenly. But those people were very honest with themselves. Like those people looked at, all the other crap they've made mm-hmm. and said, this is crap. Mm-hmm. And then when they did have something that was working and was good, then they put time into it mm-hmm. and put a lot of time into it. And that's what made it successful. Like it's not this magic, you know, right thing that is- look at this glorious thing that I made. Now give me all of your money and all of the other projects that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you talk about, this fear of not being creatively fulfilled very often, or do you keep it to yourself? Do you have like a group of people or maybe your girlfriend that you chat with about it? I think I wish I had a bigger group of people. And it's funny because when we moved here, we just ended up being friends with a lot of people who are like doctors and, (laughs) you know, just work very stable jobs. And there is as nice as they are, they're never going to understand what it's like to have to like give up one thing and work on something you don't like. And you know, the, the financial instability that just comes as part of doing these kind of jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely, I, I, I think that fear bubbles to the surface, uh-huh. you know, sometimes more than others. And it, yeah, it is hard to find people to talk mm-hmm. to about it because you don't want to come across as whining that you're not successful. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to come across as saying, well, why isn't, you know, yeah. you never want to put someone else down for the sake. Uh, like you don't want to be like jealous and put someone else down for the yeah. sake of raising yourself up. Right. Cause I think that's a shitty thing to do. Agree. You should always be happy with other people's successes. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you are kind of like, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> you still feel that low occasionally. Like yeah. so-and-so did this and well, shit, why am I not there or whatever? Yeah. And I think, and I think part of that frustration does come from that. Like I'm honest enough with myself to know that I've had lazy months. I think part of 
that feeling of um of feeling like oh god damn it like other than seeing other people's successes why not me because I think we all know like I could be working a little harder mm-hmm. and it, you know and you do have to forgive yourself for it and you know life happens and, mm-hmm. and then there's always like those times where you're working 180 yeah. percent and then that that next month you're so exhausted because creative work is exhausting yeah. when you're pushing like that. Yeah. So you're so mentally exhausted that next month you're like, I'm just going to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and go just to the gym. Chill. And yeah. I'm just going to like, that's how I'm going to live my life right now. Cause yeah. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Especially like when, when I'm doing like copywriting work and creative work, it's like I'm working two jobs. Yeah. I can imagine. And so it's so easy to be like, well, I did the stuff that's going to pay rent and I just want to hang out, mm-hmm. you know? And some days you need to, I mean, some days you just need to take some time off, but it, it is, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like we all just want to be paid. We all just want to be paid. <laughs> we, we all Let's just... get down to the nitty gritty of it. We all just want to be paid. It's my hot take. <laughs> it's my hot take. You might have to cut that out. <laughs> no, it's staying in. But you know, <laughs> It is it, like I, I think everyone who works creatively and works hard does feel that like I'm working really hard. Why can't I just make money? Mm-hmm. Because this is clearly like you know mm-hmm. everyone else makes money. Too. Everybody else. Do you have any final words or impact of this fear, or maybe you want to chat about what it would look like to not have this fear? Of not being creatively fulfilled. To not have the fear would be great. And I don't think, honestly, it it wouldn't take that much. Mm -hmm. Like, just having a few more things on the go is enough, Uh usually. And having, not only having a few more things on the go, but having the time to do them. Uh Uh-huh. Is, like, it doesn't take much. Like, I'm not someone who demands a whole lot mm-hmm. from like life i'm happy just to like just i spend most of my money on like food and booze yeah like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need like you know i don't i'm not looking for success in terms of like oh i need to be able to buy a house by the time i'm 35 mm-hmm. or, so like i think for me like yeah not having that fear is it is obtainable mm-hmm. which makes it more frustrating gotcha because i'm like so close uh-huh but it is, I, I think, you know, especially when for writing, no one hires writers because everyone thinks they can write. <laughs> and, and, and that's this wasn't true. But well, that, it's true. true for writers, too, because I feel like if I'm really unhappy about something, then I'll push it to someone with the preface of like, this is crap. Is, is there anything to salvage? Mm-hmm. And then if it's something I feel is pretty good, I'll push it to someone I trust and say, hey, make it better. And I feel that that step is skipped and that makes it so much harder to find creative work here. Okay. Because finding work as a writer is super hard. Um, like, because the scripts are already there. Yeah, and, the scripts and- are done and people are very confident in them. Um, for better or for worse. Uh, and even if they do want you to come on, no one ever wants to pay for it. And it, it it's baffling to me because you, you meet these producers who are paying full rate for like DPs mm-hmm. and they're going to have like a five person 
like, you know, camera and grip, like, you know, and gaffers. And they've got like a full crew for that, which is not cheap, Mm -hmm. but they won't spend like 500 bucks just to make sure their script is worth filming. Right. (laughs) You know, or doesn't have errors. Like it's, it's baffling. Like the amount of times you read stuff and you're like, this wasn't even proofread. And, like, that's the thing. is like, even if you hire someone to, like, do a copy edit for mm-hmm. a couple hours, like, it, it's just really weird to me. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know how many scripts you get to read in a day, but the ones I've read, for the most part, have been pretty bad. Yeah. And the independent level. And yeah. to be fair, like, anyone who's like, I love reading scripts, like, scripts are the worst. Right. I don't love Scripts are not fun to read. Scripts are fun to think about because when they're done, they're going to be cool. Yeah. But scripts are the worst mm-hmm. to read. And I know, like, Kubrick thought the same. He'd always write stuff as prose and oh. then turn it into scripts. And his scripts were horribly boring. Uh-huh. It was just, they say this, they say this, he goes there. Because he had all the visual direction in his head. Gotcha. That's so interesting. But, yeah, like, scripts, they're terrible. And, like, so, like, I'm not talking about, like, oh, they're not, like, well-written prose or anything because all scripts are kind of boring but they're just not like just on like a plot beats and the dialogue Mm -hmm. often the dialogue dialogue is i mean that's where i obviously look as an actor yeah and i find that even in high budget you know well thought over productions dialogue is awful. Yeah, and dialogue's really hard. And I think with film, I always write, like, script dialogue knowing that it's kind of a first draft. Because okay. once once the actors get a hold of it, they're going to need to, like, make it work for how they're going to say it. Right. And which is fine. Good. Like, there are times when you would say, no, you need to say it this way. But I, I think... Um, yeah, I, I find that the few sets I have been on, people are weirdly insistent about um, their scripts and, mm-hmm. like, sticking to the scripts when it doesn't, like, no, nah, man, go crazy because mm-hmm. you This tell. isn't Shakespeare, guys. Me <laughs> yeah. and then, like, you do a lot of edits, Yeah, this isn't so. Shakespeare. This is another zombie script. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Atlanta. <laughs> Actually, can we go on a sidebar about that? Absolutely. If I see another goddamn <laughs> apocalypse or zombie script... That I have, like, if you are really passionate about that genre, cool. cool. Like, I there are going to be more good zombie movies and more good apocalypse movies in our lifetime mm-hmm, for sure. But <laughs> it's probably you need not to that one. you need to calm down, people, because <laughs> it feels like every script I edit is like they're like, oh, it's like this, but with a post-apocalyptic twist of like, just take out the twist. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's just, I, I well, and it's funny because I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I, I feel like if you are a creative, you should always idolize the greats, right? Like, you should figure out what makes the greats work. Like, if it's film, you should be watching, like, Kubrick and Tarkovsky. Yeah, and, like, the people that you, I will never, ever be able to, like, write a film, like, they did because mm-hmm. it's just it's too deep for my little brain <laughs> but those are the films i look up to like those are the films i'm like these people understood what mm-hmm. making a film was and so when you're thinking of writing a script like those are the people you should be cribbing from 
or is it, and the stuff you enjoy can be whatever you want. Right. Like you can, I can enjoy the hell out of some action movie or whatever, but I feel like people are idolizing like the blockbusters and like mm. the stuff that they enjoy. And so like, Oh, I want to write a blockbuster, which there's nothing wrong with that, but they're taking notes from films that it's like, they have their own flaws and by not being at that level, you're like compounding the flaws. And so it's like, you're the result is all these scripts that feel like little shrunken down deformed versions of bigger projects yep. that you recognize. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's like, you know, the Avengers, but, or yeah. like, it's like the walking dead, but yeah. And usually the, but is, but not as good. Right. Right. <laughs> One of, along that very similar line, I find a lot of people here want to do um, fan films, fan fiction films. Right, yeah. And I'm like... Cool. I mean, why are you spending time and energy yeah. on this sort of thing when, A, you can't... Nobody... You can't put that in festival. You can't do anything yeah. with that project. It's interesting because... I feel like, you know, when I was writing as a kid, like you'd start with like fan fiction right, type stuff course. because that's how you learn to write because you're copying characters and like figuring out how to write characters you already know. Yep. It's a great way to start. It's not how you should expect to like make your career. Yeah. Um, because yeah. And I'm just... sorry, as an actor who's trying to like do things right i will never agree to be in your fan fiction film i just yeah i feel like not yeah fan ever. films should be made by groups of friends and if they can raise money for that and then make it as a group of friends like cool yeah like or you know like and i guess like i mean for me i'm like if someone was like hey we'll pay you to help write the script of this fan like i don't care i'll get paid <laughs> i'll take <laughs> yeah. money but um even then, like saying that, like it's not something I'd put up in my portfolio right. because inherently it's like, even though it is creative, it's not like, I don't know. It's weird because I, I say that, but it's like, it, you know, if, if you get hired to write a film, like in a franchise or you get hired to write a game in a franchise, you are kind of doing the same thing. You're mm -hmm. making new stories with existing characters, mm -hmm. but there's like a legitimacy to that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That, like, a fan film doesn't have. And it's weird because, like, I don't want to bash fan films, but. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. No, you to can. anyone I who mean, might have a fan film, I think they're the worst. No, it, it, again, I feel like a good, like, fan script is a good creative exercise. Mm -hmm. But, like, on the other hand, tell new stories. Mm -hmm. You know, like, use that same concept. We all steal from each other. That's art. Mm -hmm. We all steal from each other anyway. Just mm -hmm. like it's true. <laughs> just Fifty Shades of Grey it and just reskin it, <laughs> and then you've got a script. You know what I mean? Like you just, I mean, don't yeah. don't entirely Fifty Shades of Grey it. Yeah, let's let's not do that. Let's not do that ever again. That would be great. Yeah, that. Oh man, it, it is funny though how because it started what as a Twilight fan fiction. Did it really? It did, yeah, and then they they. People really liked it, so they like just reskinned it. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, the world of like internet fan fiction is just baffling and strange and weirdly interesting. Like, I don't it's, know. It's not something I ever want to be involved in. <laughs> you have to be, 
yeah, it's, 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 again, like I say, like, it's a good way to, like, if you're learning to write, Mm -hmm. like, it's a great way to start because Mm -hmm. you've got settings and characters and stuff that are done. It's like a, it's like a, if you're learning to do art, like doing the color in the line stuff. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Because it gives you, yeah, it it gives you, it gives you a guide, which is great. But, uh, yeah, there is a certain point. (laughs) All right. Chris, is there, um, anywhere on the interwebs that people can find you? Twitter? Uh, yeah, well, I would say Twitter, but I never could, I never use it. So (laughs) yeah, you can find me at Instagram, um, at Krubix cube, uh, K R U B I X cube. And then, uh, you can go to my website, just, just, uh, Chris Cool. I'll make sure to link those. Um, and yeah, always looking for new projects please hire me (laughs) (laughs) awesome well chris thank you so much for sitting down with me and having this ridiculously rude conversation about fan films (laughs) i could do a whole sidebar um but yeah thank you for having me As creatives, I think finding that sweet spot of being creatively fulfilled and making money while doing it is really in the forefront of our minds. And it's no wonder that we fear never actually finding the creative fulfillment. Because if one thing has to be ignored, is it going to be money or creativity? Ponder that. Chris is on Instagram at krubixcube, K-R-U-B-I-X-C-U-B-E. And you can check out his website, chriskrubeck.com. I'm Virginia, and you've been listening to Fears of a No-Name Blank. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Scarlet P. I'd love to hear what y'all think about the podcast, and any feedback you can offer is definitely appreciated. Until next time. (music) 